Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. Your host, Mr. Jono Petrahilos, currently generates over a million dollars a year selling his online courses. And now he teaches you how to do the same. Along with listening to our podcast, make sure to join the Course Creator Community Facebook group. It's one of the largest and most engaged Facebook groups in the space. You'll find the link in the show notes. Anyway, let's get to today's show. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Course Creator Community Podcast. I am super excited because we have an absolute rock star on the line this week. And I know I say that all the time or about every guest every (laughs) single week, Uh, but this person actually is. She is the founder of Content Into Courses. She's an expert at helping people create their online courses in the the done-for-you side of things and helping people do it as well. Uh, She's got a podcast herself, but most importantly, the the most... um, I guess, um, best thing about this person is she's a fellow Australian like myself. So without further ado, let me introduce the one and only Sam Winch. Sam, how are you? I'm good. Thank you, Jono. It's always a pleasure to talk to other Aussies because you're probably much like me. We spend a lot of our time talking to people on opposite sides of the uni- of the world, not the universe. Mm. Um, it's always great to chat to a fellow Aussie. I agree. And you're... Where Brizzy. Is Tell us, Brizzy? Yeah, Brizzy. Okay. You're, um, what's your favorite sport? I'm not. I'm a swimmer. I was always oh. a swimmer. So, um, yes, anything in the water is good. Yes, I love that too. Um, all right, let's give the listeners a, a bit of background, Sam. What is it you do? How did you get into it? So the official tagline goes, hi, I'm Sam Winch, the course creator, not the lunchtime food. <laughs> yeah, I was always you... wondering. I'm like, is that your – you know, some people have nicknames and that on Instagram. <laughs> like, your real name is Sam Winch, right? It is, yes. My my name is Sam and my surname is Winch, which makes me Sam Winch. Um, Ed, look, if you've got a stupid name, you've got to roll with it. Hey, like yeah. you just got to embrace it. Um, but I I started in management. My background wasn't courses. It was management for big box retail. And I got to a point where I was jack of that. Like that sucks. You work stupid hours and Christmas is insane. And I had a young family and it just wasn't working. And I kind of fell out of that. And um, my husband at the time had gone along to a how to train the trainer kind of a program and hated it because he's the world's biggest introvert. I don't know why I went, but anyway. And then he was like, oh, like my wife would be really good at this. And they went, well, how good? We're looking for a trainer. And he went, no, I reckon she'd be just the right fit. So I went along and I had the job and two weeks later I was teaching the course and that's the way it kind of just rolled. So I really accidentally fell into the way of sort of facilitating workshops and training. Wait, what was what was the course? A uh, certificate for in training and assessment. So also oh, known as train yeah. the trainer. Yeah. 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 Just, just for the listeners, not from Australia, we'll break that down a bit. So over here in Australia, if you want to teach it like a, a college kind of thing, yep. you need to have a, a certificate called training and assessor. Yeah. Right. And you are essentially teaching that. Yeah. Teaching people teaching how, to people how to build training teachers. and assessment. Yeah. 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 Sick. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Continue. No, all good. So yeah, I could like, I really accidentally fell into that. I just, um, I think I just had the right fit. And what I realized is that actually a background in management was a background in training. Whenever you have mm-hmm. a team, you're training whether you realize it or not, right? All of your work is building team development and building their skills and all those sorts of things. So really, I've been doing it the whole time. I just hadn't realized what I was doing. So um, I kind of progressed along that. In Australia, here we have that vocational education field. So that's um, sort of certified colleges and that tertiary level um, until I got really fed up of working in that because it's all compliance and red yeah. tape. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. And so, I, um, yeah, I dropped out of that and started working with entrepreneurs and freelancers and small business, and that's way more fun and flexible. Yes, 100%. And that's kind of where you are now? 
Yeah, that's where I am now. So all of my time now is spent working with course creators, helping them to build their courses. So we do mostly done for you work. So either we sort of consult with them to help them flesh out an idea and tell them what they need to go and do. But a lot of the time we do the do for them. So we're building platforms and and building websites and building PDFs and writing worksheets and all sorts of stuff so that they don't have to do it themselves. Gotcha. Now I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that are like, that sounds good. Sam, I need that for my business. Someone's interested in in done for you course creation. Where do they go to hear more? So just head to sandwich.com.au. There's not a lot of sandwiches on the internet. And um, there's a book a free chat spot. So just book in for a chat and have a have a conversation. But um, or yeah, always happy to point people in the right direction, even if it's not me. Um, they can we can point them in the right direction for plugins or platforms or wherever they might need to go. Awesome. And I'll put that link in the show notes. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Now, what we're speaking about today is going to be things that um, new course creators assume are really important, but are actually, using Sam words, bullshit. (laughs) Am I allowed to say that on your podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always have to check. No, you're good. Go for it. So, and and Sam mentioned, hey, let's do a bit of back and forth, have a bit of a conversation. I think it's awesome. There's there's heaps of these things. I haven't got them down in my head, but so I'm going to let Sam start. Yeah. Uh, with her first one, and then maybe we do a one-for-one one or, or kind of go from there. So, we'll riff it and see what happens. Exactly. Number one, Sam, what's one thing that people think are really important but are actually BS? So I'm sure you do this a lot too, right? I chat to course creators, and even if we're just having a free chat or a coffee or whatever, and so often people say to me just things that roll out of their mouth, and I'm like, where did you get that from? Like, that's not true. And especially in the course creation industry, um, like there's all trends come and go, as you know, but there's a whole heap of um, stuff that floats along and around in the online world that people get led to believe has to be the case. And I think the biggest one that I spend a lot of time talking about is video, which is the number one belief people have is you can't have a course if it doesn't have video in it. And courses don't have to have video, right? You you can teach perfectly great content without video. Video is good. Don't get me wrong. Video is useful and serves a purpose, but not every course has to have video. Or not every single lesson in your course has to have video because Mm -hmm. sometimes a worksheet is fine and sometimes audio is awesome. Like what's to say you can't have a private podcast that runs alongside your program and just not have video? Or perhaps there are other things that you prefer, but we get stuck in this trap. And I get a lot of clients that stuck on this and and maybe you see the same, which is they kind of get their idea fleshed out and it gets to the recording video stage and they get stuck and it's because that maybe the tech freaks them out or the being in front of the camera freaks them out or whatever it might be, but they don't progress any further simply because they've gone, oh, I can't do video, so I can't have a course. But there are so many ways around that, right? Like there's so many other things you can do that aren't video. Love that. Such a good point. Yeah, I agree 100%. My first course, Sam, sold for 250 bucks or, or something like that, um, was like 99% written. Because yep. I didn't know about course platforms. So I just yep. created an ebook and I was going to sell it just 100% ebook. But then I realized there's unlisted YouTube videos. So yeah. I was like, you know what? Let me do a, a five, 10 minute summary at the start of each module. Still, it was maybe 20 minutes of video total, you know? And that course was great. Got a lot of feedback. Um, and then a good friend of mine. Do you know Steph Taylor? She's I do from, know. Yeah. yeah. She's from Queensland as well. So she was telling me, she's been on this podcast a couple of times. And I think her, her one of her original courses was all just written. It was yep. a guide, like a podcast, how to launch a top podcast guide kind of thing. Sold for one ninety seven. Sold hundreds of thousands, maybe even yeah. a million dollars, and it was just a, a written one there. So, yeah. yeah. 
My very it. first course that I ever sold was email only. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm old now, sorry, showing my age. This is back in the olden days of the internet. But like, yeah, it was email only. They got a weekly email with action items and some content and some info. And then um, there was a bit of follow-up. It was like a 52-week program, one one action week, task a week for the whole year. Um, so for like a thousand bucks and it was only email. 100% yep. email. There was no video anywhere. So like there are options and I think we've just fallen into this trap of like, oh my God, I have to have this fancy shiny background or green screen mm-hmm. or like I have to look super professional in video. That's probably another bullshit thing we can talk about. Yes. Um, but like you don't have to. You really don't have to. Mm. It's helpful. It's useful. You might want it, but you don't have to have it. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. So great. All right. I've got one. And my one's an, an interesting one as well. But this is one I'm pretty passionate about. And this is pricing. Oh, right? this yeah. is on my list too. So let's talk this. Yes. Okay. Well, here's my thing on pricing. So I think if you're teaching an online course, which is solely online. There's no, um, you know, no live lessons. There's no, no support. No support. It's just live. I think the actual price of that course does not matter in terms of the individual unit, right? I think what's more important is the total revenue you make. So yep. let me give a, a couple examples here um, that I see that are that live examples as well. So like um, we te- I also teach a certificate three and four in fitness, yep. right? Um, which for listeners that aren't from Australia, it's essentially like what you need to be a qualified personal trainer here in Australia. So I had to get the course that Sam was teaching to to teach that, right? Um, anyway, we've just kind of started in it and we price, oh, should I say, you know what? I'm going to say prices, who cares? Hardly anyone listening to this is going to be a personal trainer anyway. So, um, yeah, we priced it, I think at $3,000 when we just started it and we made like one sale that month, right? And it's kind of like, yeah, all right, you know, one sale or whatever. Um, the next month we did a Black Friday special and we did it for half price, mm-hmm. 1500 right? So half the price of it, 50% less, right? But we sold 10 of them, Yep. right? Now the workload is the same, simplified version, zero, right? Yeah. Whether we sell one or whether we sell t- 10, the workload is the same, zero, right? But if we do the math on that, at $3,000, we sold one and made $3,000. Yeah. Right. On the uh, when we went one thousand five hundred, we sold ten and we made fifteen thousand. Yeah. But no for the same workload. No. The yeah. Same workload. Yeah. Same workload. Tell me your take on that. And then we'll. we'll I'll, I'll so I agree. The only thing that I have to add to that, because I don't think it's spoken about enough in the course industry, is profit margin. Oh, so yes. And even if your work, even if your workload for running the program is zero, if you've got a cost per lead, yeah. then price point matters. So I was talking to a fitness trainer actually who wanted to run a membership Ooh. at nine dollars a month. Who was this? Um, 
No, I probably can't. I was like, can I say? Um, So there are lots of big names in the fitness industry who have platforms where you pay a small monthly fee and you get access to their video library and whatever. So she kind of wanted one of those, but she wanted an entry price of $9 a month. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if you, and she was like, have you got a big list? She's like, no. And I'm like, well, how are you going to get the people on your list? She's going to run ads. Like, even if we're looking at a dollar a lead on an ad, email can, I know, right? But even let's for simple maths, because I don't do maths. Yeah, yeah. Um, a dollar a lead, right? You need your average email conversion rate is what? One to 3%. So if out of a hundred people on a list, you're going to make maybe one to three sales. So to get a hundred people on a list at a dollar a lead, we need to spend a hundred dollars in ad spend and we're going to make one to three sales. So between nine and $27. Do you want to be spending a hundred dollars to make $9? Probably not. So you're right. Price point actually doesn't matter. But not just revenue, profit margin is really important. So how are we mm. making a profit on those sales? 100%. Let me, let's expand on that. Because I think there's a good, I think that could be another one as well. It's kind of yeah. like marketing and, and profit there. Um, let me just see if there's anything else on this. Uh, yeah. So on that, that, that's my take on pricing, I think. And, and I'll, I'll just go deeper onto why I think a lot of people think like that. I think a lot of people come from that run courses come from a service background yes. where it matters. So let's say, Let's use me as an example. My background is in um, fitness, right? Personal training. If you're in personal training where you train someone one-on-one, it matters. You mm-hmm. need to get your rate as high as possible because you're, yeah. you're training dollars for time. And that's kind of like, it's almost like a badge, badge, of, badge of honor as a personal trainer. Yeah, I charge 120 per hour. And with that side of things, it kind of does matter. Because mm-hmm. let, let me use that same example if it was a, a personal training side of things. Let's say I'm a personal trainer. And I charge $120 per hour. And let's say Sam charges $60 per hour, half as much to get more clients. She might have double as much clients as me, right? But that means we've, we're still making the same. But and I'm, I'm working, working twice as hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. in a service-based 100%, but in a course base, it's more about the the actual end revenue. So that's what I, I recommend yeah. people to, to look at there. Um, and I think even there's probably even a good point there in terms of the the membership side of things. Let me think. Yeah, so I think that's even let's even no, actually yeah. no, we'll cover that later. Let's go <laughs> to let's go to that profit side of things. Anything else you want to add on the the profit side of things? No, but I think it's something to bear in mind when you consider um revenue. So a lot of big names in the in the industry will throw out like figures, like annual, I've made this much a year oh, or my course yeah. turned over this many dollars. Yeah. And I always take those things with a grain of salt because when we're talking turnover versus profit margin, there can be a big difference. One of the things I love to see, um, if you've ever looked at, say, Denise Duffield-Thomas, when she does a launch, she does a breakdown afterwards of where her spend went. Mm. So if she's had a million-dollar launch cycle, she'll say, look, we spent 300000 on staffing costs. We spent 400000 on and I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass. Please go and research it properly. But, you know, I spent 400000 on Facebook ads and that left me 300000 cash in pocket or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I appreciate that breakdown because I think yeah. people see, oh, a million-dollar course, which is awesome, by the yeah. way. But also, like, it's not a million dollars in her back pocket necessarily. And it took a lot to get her there. So I just think it's worth bearing in mind, yes, you can definitely have a great course. Yes, pricing 
especially when there's no support or running costs are fairly low is almost irrelevant, but make sure that you are actually taking into account your running costs because people don't take into account hosting like platform fees, those sorts of things. And like, I want you to make money. I want you to make a profit. So make sure you are taking those things into account and you are making a profit, not just you're going, oh, I'll just sell it at this price because everyone else is selling it at this price, which is what this fitness trainer had done. She's like, oh, but other people have a $9 entry offer. I'm like, well, great. But like you don't have the list size to support that yet. And you're comparing yourself to, I don't know, Chris Hemsworth or TFXO or yeah, anyone who's got already a huge brand and a huge following who can support an entry offer like that. And and you can't. Yeah. Love it. That Yeah. That's right. That's the point I wanted to cover on the profit one there. Um, because, and I think that's just a good business principle in general. And I'll even, I'll, I'll share like, uh, cause I ran into a lot of, I ran, uh, ran into a lot of trouble with that early on. Mm. Where like I was making good money. Um, so I was blowing good money as well. And then yeah. it would come to the end of the year, tax time, and I'd have like nothing left in my account. And I was like, okay, I, I need to to do something here. So I read a really good book, Profit First. Yeah. Have you read that? I have, yes. I don't yeah. use it. We use a slightly different setup, but yes, have read it. Super yeah. useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I use that as my base, but I, but even with that, like, you know, it says, you know, create different accounts, this much for income, this much for expense, yada, yada, yada. Um, and I'll just give the, the figures for the listeners. My profit margin is about 40%. Yeah. So it's like, okay, great. You know, I made um, whatever, $100,000 this month or this quarter or whatever. I didn't, I, I, 40 of that is yeah. in my pocket, you know, like um, 40% is, ex- not even yeah, 45% is expenses, you know, 15% for tax of the, yep. the profit there. Like I'm left with 40. So even for the listeners here, if I say, oh, I made X amount, you know, that's that's total. Like take 40% of that. That's yep. what I, I do there. And I think it's a, a good business lesson because I know I'm not the only one that's got caught up with that. I think it's very easy to, no. to just focus on how much you make because yep. I think it's, and, and it's almost like a vanity thing as well you know, yeah, I made, you know, X amount of dollars. And- oh, yeah, for sure. And it's super, like, it's super marketable, right? Like you see people yeah, yeah. like six-figure business, seven-figure business because yeah. six isn't enough anymore. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be eight-figure business soon. I haven't started seeing a lot of those, but I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, um, yeah. Like it's that real like tagline thing. And it's cool. Like I genuinely having that sort of a turnover level is is a good thing yeah. but make sure that you know from a, a realism point of view that you're looking at your own income and profit margins and expenses and if it's all going somewhere and yeah. you've got nothing left in your pocket at the end of the day it's not great yeah yeah it's it's like um it, it like and just for listeners it doesn't matter how much you make it's how much you keep yeah no it's like let, let's use that example there let's say let's even use me and sam as an example let's say i make a hundred thousand dollars this month but I spent sixty thousand on advertising and, and taxes or whatever. Great, I made forty thousand. Maybe Sam made fifty thousand, so half as much. But she did it organically. Well, she's better off, you know. Yeah. So it's um yeah. They're not not saying it's don't spend money or whatever. But oh I know. You know, it's very important. Just don't focus on how much you make. Focus on on how much you keep. Yeah. And just take everyone else's numbers with a grain of salt, because if you're not seeing all of their expenses, you never know. And they might have great profit margins, but yeah. they might not. And we just don't know, right? We just don't know. Yep. Agree. Um, so you also touched on like courses versus membership, or even like, I like when you you brought up that $9 membership. Yeah. Do you got any, what are your thoughts on, I guess, yeah, courses so something, versus membership, all those super low barrier memberships? I think there's definitely, 
definitely a place for them. Like I, there's, there's definitely a place in the market for them. Something that um, I'm sure you probably think about as well is I'd like to talk to people about the strategy behind the thing they're mm. using. So um, I was talking to a lady just yesterday and we were even talking about the difference between say live launch and evergreen. So a program that runs like six weeks, everyone joins in together or something that's just available anytime. And I said, the big difference, honestly, is how you're using it as part of your business. Mm. If you're using it as a signature program, that's your main source of income, then live launch makes sense. You can build a lot of anticipation. You have cart close dates, like you can build that oomph. If you're using it as an entry-level point to something else you're on-selling, like one-on-one services or coaching or something, then an evergreen low-cost barrier makes sense, right? Because it's almost like your lead magnet. It's something that's super cheap, that's a no-brainer offer, that's available anytime when they feel like it, and then you've got a strategy for what you do with the people once they're there. So I think that no matter what you do, and we can talk courses versus memberships and all sorts of options, but no matter what you're doing, I really advise people to stop and think about the strategy. Like why? Mm. And that was the same with this lady. I'm like, well, why do you want a $9 membership offer? And she's like, oh, well, other people have them. Mm. Like, okay. Well, that, but why else? Like, why do you want one? And what are you doing with it in your business? And so she was trying to use that low sort of entry level price point offering as her main income earner, which mm. is possible but more difficult, Mm. but we could use it as say, and I have it, like I have a $5 um, micro course because realistically it's just a paid lead magnet rather than being free. Mm -hmm. It's $5. People put some cash on the table. So I know they're invested. There's a little bit of income in it for me. So it just covers things like ad spend. Um, And it means that for me, rather than being a cost to the business, it just works itself out at kind of zero level, but I use it as lead generation, it builds into other things. I wouldn't use it as my main income earner because you can't get rich on $5 courses Mm. or it's difficult to get rich on $5 courses. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, agree with all those there. I think, yeah, I think it's an interesting one, the the pricing side of things, right? Mm. And this is where I think it's also very interesting online. Like um, my take, I think the best model is the online course model. You know, yeah, I know, I know, uh, and it, it depends what you're interested in. I know you do more services, Sam. That's what you like doing. Me, I'm lazier. You know, yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of like, how can I make as much money as possible doing as little work as possible? That's why I like, you know, that um, that online course side of things. And there's definitely uh, a market for it because that's where my audience are too. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, I do a mix. So I have a series of online courses, and then I have an agency model where when I mm. take clients on. I don't do a lot of the work. I do do the work, but I don't do all of the work by any means because like you, I'm naturally lazy. Um, But I have a team who support me in doing the work so that, yeah, yeah, I don't have to do it all. Well, that's good. That I would do, you know, because it's like, even now the the issue is, I think if you do just online courses, you can get kind of a little bit bored. Yeah. Like, oh, what am I going to do with my life now? And you just waste time or whatever. So I think I do a little bit of one-on-one consulting more just for fun. Because yeah. it's like, you know, if I don't do that, and also it keeps you kind of in the game and fresh and and that kind of I stuff. I think we well. do that as entrepreneurs. Hey, we get bored. Like I do mm. it all the time. And um, actually, this might be something that's worth talking about. It's not the BS that travels around. Um, but I see a lot of people who I work with build a course and then we kind of get bored of it because they've put the effort into building it. And then we move on to the next thing, mm. but we forget to really set up the system to market it or sell it or yeah. tell the world we built it. Cause we get so caught up in the shiny new thing. Like, Oh, okay. I'm bored of that one. Now let me build something else. Yeah. Um, that I see a lot of course creators and entrepreneurs build lots of things, but don't give those things the time they really need to settle into a market or the marketing they really need to reach a wider audience because they're caught up in the excitement of the build, like the new thing, the new thing, the new thing. And I don't know if you do that too, but I've got like 
you don't look in my Google Drive. It's like a graveyard of dead things <laughs> that were built once upon a time and don't really exist anymore because it's the excitement is in the new thing. And um, yeah, then I, even I don't give them the time they deserve. And I don't know if you do that too, but I see entrepreneurs, we get bored easy. Yes, I'm definitely guilty of that. That brought up another idea that I'm going to flag it later, though. I just want to spend a minute on the yeah, sorry the membership. No, no, you're good on the the membership side of things. This is what I see a lot, kind of like um, uh, people on f- Facebook specifically, but I think social media, where there's a, a big push to kind of um, sell high ticket coaching. Yes. You no, know, hey, you want to charge twenty thousand, ten thousand, five thousand? You know, do my twenty thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollar course side of things. And once again, that's okay if that's what you like doing. I'll still take the online course side of things anyway, because the mm-hmm. down point of, of charging high ticket is there's obviously a lot of work involved in it, right? You need to follow up, provide a good service, um, do the calls, whatever, whatever it may be. But what I see happening there is kind of like a lot of those high ticket coaches that kind of um, you know sell, hey, high ticket coaching is the best. Within like a few years, they're now selling online courses because they realize it's better, right? And yeah. then a few years after that, memberships because they realize there's you know there's um there's value in that as well but that's easier once you've got that big following it's kind of like you can sell that nine dollar membership if you've spent you know five ten years building your list you know you've got that big audience okay right then you can do it for someone starting off i think it can be very hard just trying to sell the the nine dollar membership um and there's Oh, yes, sorry, you go. I was just going to say that brings up an interesting discussion. And I was once told, and I don't think it's entirely true, but there's a grain mm. of truth in it. Um, it takes as much effort to sell a $5 product as it does to sell a $500 product. But you can extrapolate that out into programs. It takes about the same amount of effort, sales page writing, funnel writing, whatever, to sell a $500 course as it does to sell a $5,000 course, um, assuming the level of support is the same. And I see a lot of course creators undersell themselves. Like you were saying, if it's got no support, it doesn't matter because it's scalable. But mm. if it's got support in it, it's not is scalable mm. and so they're trying to sell their big ticket offer at a thousand dollars when really the support inside is worth five grand mm. but they're like oh well you know i can't it's too much hard work to sell five and i'm like if you're selling a thousand you can sell five thousand like it's really no different the level of input you're going to have to have to convert a client at those two price points is the same um but it's interesting that you're right that people go oh just like the progression that people take is interesting because i think they've got a story in their head that's like i have to do these things or i have to Mm. have a high ticket offer to sell a low ticket offer or i have to have a low first to sell a high and none of those are true you can do that Mm. any way you want right we've all started different ways and come out around in different circles there's no one true method that gets you anywhere better than any other yeah let's take a quick break If you're a podcast host or someone wanting to be interviewed on podcasts as a guest, visit podmatch.com. Podmatch automatically connects ideal podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. We always say it works just like a dating app, but instead of connecting you for dates, it connects you for podcast interviews. Podmatch has connected over 85,000 guests and hosts together for interviews that listeners love, all while saving you countless hours of administrative work through built-in automations. If you're ready to level up your podcast interviews on either side of the mic, start today by visiting podmatch.com. Agree. Um, and actually, I'll bring up just one one point here. So do you know who Evelyn Weiss is? I know the name. Why do I okay. know that name? Do you know Jessa Bellman? Yes. Okay, cool. So Evelyn actually runs like this, and she's the only one in the world I know that's been able to do this. She does run a $9 membership just yep. off Facebook ads, right? But she's the only one in the world I know that's that's been able to do that. So I think it's like 
um, it, it agrees with your point where it's like, hey, you can start in any way there. But also, I don't want to give the lesson, the listeners the no, wrong yeah. impression where it's like, oh, well, Evelyn Weiss did it, so I can do it as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to to bring that up there where it's like, even though here we are saying it's so hard to sell this $9 membership via Facebook ads, even then there is that it's outlier. Doable. That, that, yeah, ah, there is always it. an outlier. I mean, you look at any business industry, like there are always, there are those who break the rules, there are the outliers, like, and then there's like the mainstream, but everyone kind of does this thing. And mm. I think at the end of the day, there isn't always a right and a wrong. Like you can definitely approach it your own way. And this is something that I'm sure you do, which is you learn, mm. right? So you try something and you learn from it. And if it's not working for you, like maybe you've seen one person do it. You're like, oh my God, I can do that too. If it's not working, pivot. Oh, whatever better word you want for that because we have used that word way too much um but like just learn from it and go hang on hang on like i might have seen someone else do that but this is not working for me like what else can i do instead yeah 100 percent. one of my favorite quotes is i never lose i either win or i learn yeah and that's the way i look at look at anything if i you know um say i run a facebook ad for example if it if it works off the bat great happy days if it didn't work, okay, let me analyze it. Which yeah. point did it not work? Did I get a lot of opt-ins, but no one bought? Okay, let me play around with this, you know, and fix that up there. Or did I not get any opt-ins? Okay, what have I got to fix up there? Is it the offer? Is it the image? Is it the, so I think yeah. there's there's always ways to, to fix it there. Uh, but let's hand it back over to you, Sam. What's another thing that people assume is really important, but is actually BS? So there's a couple of things I want to talk about, and I'm keeping an eye on the time because I know that you, <laughs> I know you have a time limit. Um, I do think that completion rates is something that's worth talking about because they've had mm. a really bad rep in the online course market. Um, I saw stats once and I'm sure they've changed since, but it was something like only 3% of people who buy an online course finish an online course. And like, that's pretty shocking. Um, and so I was talking to someone, they're like, well, online courses obviously don't work then. And I was like, well, hold up, like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Because completion rates often, especially if you're using a platform, it's just a metric that's easy to track, but it doesn't mean it's a good metric, mm-hmm. right? So completion rates means they have to complete every, every single element inside a program. But if you've got a wrap up video, like a thanks for watching, lovely to have you here. And they've finished the content, but they decide not to re- watch that wrap up video. Mm-hmm. Technically they haven't completed. And your platform will mark them as not yet complete, but they could have done 99% of the program. The other thing is if you've got students who are implementing as they go, they don't have to do the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they've done your first couple of modules and they've gone, this stuff's awesome. And they've actually gone back to the market and they've tested it and they've used it and they're getting results. Why does it matter if they haven't gone through the other stuff yet? Because they've improved their life or their business and they're getting results from it, which is surely the whole point of the course anyway. Like, mm-hmm. do we really want to force them to sit through the videos just so we can have the completion rate tick off? Mm-hmm. Or do we want them to get results from the program? And I'm pretty sure it's the latter. So I often encourage people to look for, and it's heaps harder to track. Like there's no easy metric box to follow, but like implementation rates and results are a much better metric than completion rates. Mm-hmm. But platforms will track your completion rate and you'll get lured into thinking, oh my God, no one's finishing my course. But like at the end of the day, does it matter? Are they actually getting results from it? Far more important. Yes. Love that. It, it reminds me of, um, I was listening to a podcast like years ago, a couple guys talking and one guy was like, yeah, you know, my goal is actually to, to finish more books this year. You know, I start a lot of books, um, you know, I get something out of it, but I never end up finishing them. And the other guy was like, does it really matter? You know, yeah. it's like, doesn't really matter if you like, if you read that book and you got, you know, the gold nugget out of it and that changed your life or changed your business or whatever it is, like, does it really matter if you didn't finish it? Like it may be better off. Okay. Don't finish it. Move on to the next one and, and get that gold nugget there. 
So I, yeah. I think it's a, a and good we get point. caught up in, in all sorts of bits of life, right? That I didn't, I didn't finish it properly, or I didn't do it mm. properly, so therefore it doesn't count. Um, you know, we gatekeep so many things that way. But as long as it's working, it doesn't matter if they haven't watched every video. Your students don't buy your program because they want to watch your videos. They mm. buy their the program because they want the outcome. So if they're getting the outcome job achieved, like tick, well done. It's just heaps harder to track. And your course platform won't give you people are getting results from this numbers because they they can't. So you have to look for other ways to measure it. Like ask for feedback, talk to your students, like get testimonials back, look for that sort of stuff because that's the proof that it's working. Yes. Okay. And you had another one you wanted to bring up you mentioned? Um, I did want to talk about audience size because I know we've touched oh, on it a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think there's pros and cons to both ways, but one of the things I've often seen is um, I can't have an online course because I don't have a big enough audience yet. Um, and while we've said that it's hard with a smaller audience, I'm sure that you've seen evidence of this as well. It's not impossible. Mm. Um, and especially if you've got higher ticket offers, you can make good revenue from a small list. Mm. You don't have to have a hundred thousand people on your email list necessarily to make good income from programs, but you have to be strategic about the way you approach your list. And um, I think that I get a lot of people who I talk to who are worried that they don't have simply don't have the numbers because mm. they think they need a hundred thousand people or something else, or just a number, um, and they don't have it. But I, I've seen I've seen everything work. I've seen huge lists fail. I've seen people with giant lists mm. make no money, and I've seen people with smaller lists make lots of money. So. I think it's a really interesting thing. I know we've spoken about audience size a couple of times and yes, it, it can make a difference, but there are things you can do even with a small list. Mm, yes. Yeah. I love that, that point. I think there's a few things there. So yeah, I'll go, I'll go from both ends. I think yeah. like, uh, I think long-term goal, I think audience size is great. You know, I think like um, if you want to be online course creator full-time, I yeah. think the the bigger you can have, there's still a few caveats in here. But like the bigger you can have that warm audience in that one kind of niche and demographic, the easier it's going to be. Like yes. let's say now in my, in my fitness education business, I've been doing it since 2014. I've got a list of 15,000 people, Facebook group of 15,000 people. And that might not even be huge for, for a lot of people watching it. But for me, that's like, that's big enough. Like with that, I'm never going to go broke. But there's a few caveats on there. A, it's such a niched audience. Yes. It's not just 15,000 people that are my friends or they opted into this free thing and then I pivoted and now I'm doing this business and they're on that list. Like every single person on there is a certified personal trainer, very niched. Um, the other thing is also I've kept that that audience very warm. You know, I'm always posting in the Facebook group. I'm sending out emails. It's not just kind of a, a cold list there. So I think like that should be the long-term goal, get this really big list of engaged people and that. Yeah. Um, but if you, you, like, if you wait till that to start, you're never going to start, you know, no. it's kind of like if you wait. And also I think there could be a disadvantage that uh, to that. I think if you, if you're like, Hey, I'm going to wait till I have 5,000 or 10,000 people. I think that can almost be a, a down point because you're waiting so long to sell now, when you sell, people might be like, oh, this guy's just trying to sell me something. He was trying to, you know, yeah. put me all along giving this, this free stuff. At least if you sell from the start, people know, okay, this guy's selling something from the, the start. Yeah, I'm not saying sell from day one or the minute someone follows you hard pitch or whatever, but, you know, I think there's there's advantages there. And I think like, um, I think if you do have a small, I think there's a few things there. I think like, I th my take is I think the specificity is very mm -hmm. important. So I think if you don't have a big audience, 
that's okay as long as it's a specific audience, right? Let's yes. just use personal trainers as an example. Let's say you're selling something to personal trainers. Doesn't matter if you got 1,000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000, whatever. But if you've got personal trainers, specifically personal trainers, you're at an advantage there. And I think the bigger thing there is knowing what that person wants. So yes. I've, I've had offers before that I've sent to my 15,000 person list and no one bought. Yeah. Right. My fault completely because I didn't do the 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 smart work. I thought it would, oh, yeah, this is what they want. I know what they want. I'm not going to do any research or ask. I'm going to do it. And I've made zero sales of a yep. 15,000 person list. And that's right? not uncommon, right? Because we yeah. do that. We're like, oh, I'm just going to push this thing out. This yep. is the thing I want to push out. Yep. But if it's the wrong thing for the audience, it doesn't matter how big that list is. You know, it's not going to sell or it's going to sell like this tiny little trickle just because they love you and they've bought other stuff. And they're like, oh, maybe I'll buy that one too. But you're so right. If it's not the right fit, if it's not something they really want. But the other thing for that then is you could have, say, a couple of hundred people on the list. But if you've got the offer that's just the right fit and yeah. there's a couple of hundred are super targeted, you yeah. could make a couple of sales. 100%. Like, yeah. I'll, well, and I'll use, yeah, 100%. Not like no doubt in my mind. If someone like, because I know that market quite well, if somebody just had a hundred people, right, yeah. I could say, hey, <laughs> if, if they're the hundred people that I know exactly, have an offer which has blah, 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 blah. They'll make sales. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know I I can't name names, but I did have a client who was selling quite a high ticket offer. And obviously if you want turnover from a very, very small list, it's the only way yeah. you can really do it. Um, they had an email list of 900 and a Facebook group of about 500 and they made a hundred grand out of wow. like across the annual, across the across the year on their programs um you know six figures off a list of 900 is is impressive um but they it was super niche super 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 niche mm. and it was a fairly high ticket offer so didn't have to first sell as many to get to that market um i mean if you're selling what one in 100 it's nine sales if you're selling at 10 grand a piece that's 90 grand right so it can be done um, but it's it's about having that, like you said, you've got to know your people well, your mm -hmm. list needs to be warm and you've got to have the right offer for them. And then even with the small list, you can make some sales. And as long as you know them really, really well and you're giving them what they want, they'll they'll buy. Yep, yep. The, the other thing I'll add to that is I think you do need a audience though. So I think yes. if someone's, you know, if someone's watching um, this, because I'll have a conversation with Crossgrade sometimes. I'm like, hey, have you got an audience? No, nah, I don't have an audience, but you know, I'm a member, there's Facebook groups that, that people are in. And maybe that can work, you know, yeah. maybe, you know, there's certain Facebook, there's there's a lot of variables there, right? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, maybe that might work. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say never, right? But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give a few situations. Let's say if I'm posting something in my Facebook group, which has whatever, whichever group it is, it has thousands of people. That's great. I can do it because I've got that, that authority in there. Mm -hmm. If I was to do that same Facebook post, same post in someone else's Facebook group, it may not land the same because these people yeah. don't know who I am. I, I don't have the authority, this and that. Yeah. Um, on the flip side, am I even allowed to post in that Facebook group? You know, yeah. all well and good. There's a group with 10,000 people in my people there. But if I can't post in there, if I post it and they ban me, I'm gone. You know, yeah. Uh, even if they don't ban you, it can just look slimy. Like if yeah. you're in someone else's space selling, it's like when you set up your market stand in directly in front of Coles or the supermarket or whatever. Like, right? It just looks dodgy. Like, yeah. what are you doing stuck here at the front of their shop? It's the same, right? If you're in someone else's space and it's not your space, there's no trust there, and there's that instant distrust. I think as well. And you're not starting from neutral; you're starting from negative. Mm -hmm. And then further to that as well, if the group does allow promos. I find a lot of those groups are the worst place to sell 
because they're just filled with promos. They're just mm-hmm. people trying to sell stuff. No one trying to, no one in there to, to buy stuff. So once again, not saying it never works. I'm sure, you know, you can go in there and you can, you know, people have done it, whatever it may be. Um, but for the people listening, I think it's important to have something in place there. You know, you can, you know, there's ways you can leverage and whatnot, but have something somewhat of, of your own audience there. Yeah. Um, hey, Sam, there's a few questions that I always like to finish up with. The first one is around course platforms. There's so many of them out there. You know, there's Teachable, Thinkific, Kajabi, Newsandla, Thrivecart. Um, you know, I could go on and on and on. I'm curious to hear what your favorite is or if you have one that you Ooh, prefer. That's mean. So I'm platform agnostic. Um, as a course creator, we use, um, I've got clients on, we've got builds on about 10 different platforms at the moment between WordPress and a variety of plugins and then third-party platforms. Um, and part of the reason for that is because I'm a firm believer that different courses have different needs mm. and I have yet to find one platform that suits every single person's concept or ideal or needs. Um, they're just like everything has pros and cons and I've yet mm. to find a perfect one. Um, so I don't have a favorite, but so that I don't dodge your question and fence it, my micro courses are held in member vaults, um, which has been a really interesting place to play around with. Um, I got in fairly early on when the developers are still listening to the audience. So tweaks happen fast. And mm. if the audience requests something, I've seen a turnaround in the period of four hours, an audience requested a functionality that didn't exist. And the developers had it back on the table that day, um, which is super cool, but it has some fun gamification stuff. Like you can play with um, a celebration prompt so when something happens when they finish a lesson for example it like shoots confetti across the screen and it sparkles and it so there's some really cool gamification tools that you can play with in there and that's always fun so i use lots but my micro courses remember vault they used to have i think they recently got rid of it they used to have one of the best free options as well yeah, they did. And then, I mean, some of the stuff we've been talking about here, they realized it just wasn't a sustainable business strategy because they were doing yeah. high support for not just low income, zero for the zero yeah. income level. And um, it wasn't sustainable to offer that. So they don't have it anymore. Um, yeah. People who got early adopters still have access to the lower priced point, but now it's it's a higher price point to get in. And for that reason as well, doesn't suit yeah. everyone, um, but that's where my things are. Yeah, yeah. And I think also as well, because I think that's a good point as well, just in terms of like price raising. Because I think that can be a, a good strategy as well from someone starting off, just even from the course creation side of things. Yeah. It might be like, right, you know, maybe it's a little bit um, uh, more affordable starting off. But hey, you know, if you're making a few sales, you know, great. Say, so, hey, once I get 50 people to sign up, the price goes up to this, you know, and then same next 50 people that sign up, price goes up to this and price goes up to this and price goes up to this. You know, I think that's kind of business, you know, you can start off yeah. at the more affordable rate and then, hey, I got enough money coming. I, I don't need... Um, I don't need to spend as much time on this here. You know, let me leverage my time better. So yeah, love that. Sure. Uh, final question, Sam, is around mentors. So you're obviously a mentor for plenty of people around there in the, the online course space and the training and assessing space as well. You have been. I'm curious to hear who your biggest mentors have been in the course creation space. Uh, if you can answer this in a few different ways, if you could give us a paid mentor, someone that you've paid money to, you've done their course or their program, whatever it may be, an unpaid mentor. So you haven't paid them money, but you follow them on social, you listen to their podcast, you read their book, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and a book, sorry. So paid, unpaid. And then last one is a book that you recommend every online course creator uh, should read. Okay. So I'm a bit of an out 
Blair. I haven't really done the paid mentor route. Um, I did have a lot of unpaid mentors for sure. Um, but for me, I found a really good group of peer mentors um, and we had a peer-to-peer mastermind group, which is now for five years strong. Um, We meet once a fortnight. It's the same, mostly the same base group over five years. And we spend a lot of time together. We co-work together, we plan together, we strategize together. And so realistically, I built myself what other people would pay for, um, but I built it for myself and, and found the right people to come join it. And so I kind of facilitated what the the result that other people would probably pay for. So I'm an outlier in that case. Quick question, um, question there. Did you yeah. build that yourself? Were you yeah. like, right, I want to get a group of people. I'm going to go and yeah. find people and bring them together. Yeah. I tell the group yeah, it was completely awesome. selfish. Yeah. <laughs> it was only, and I, I actually like, I put out an application form and everything. I had a bit of a sort of people knew me in the business world already. So I had a bit yeah. of a following, but I did a, look, this is who I, this is what I want. Um, I want people who are committed, who want to meet fortnightly, who want to, who are at a similar level to me, maybe, but we can push each other a bit. Um, and I put out an application form and I kind of asked like what they were doing and where they were at and where they wanted to go. And I turned some people down and I took some people in. Um, but yeah, I built it because I was like, I know, I know what I need. Like I yeah. need support. I want people who understand me. I want people who get me. Um, I'm willing to put the sign aside to facilitate the mastermind calls, yeah. assuming that they know that they're here for me as well. Like this is not, I'm not their mentor. Yeah. This is peer to peer. Like we're going to push each other. Um, I'm not, I just happen to facilitate the call, but I'm not the lead. I'm not, you know, bigger or better than anyone else. So yeah, I completely selfishly built my own solution instead. Yeah. 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 No, I love that. I, I used to do that myself as well at one stage Yeah, because it was like, I read a book and and I don't know if you know, Jack Canfield, but one of his yes. books, Jack Canfield, the success principles. Yeah. And he kind of said, Hey, everyone needs a mastermind. You can either pay for it or you can build your own, you know, and the way you can, you can essentially build your own is you facilitate it. You know, you say, hey, here's when the calls are. You find the people, you know, you get the people in there. So there's there's value that way there. So love that. Yeah. Um, unpaid okay. mentor? Unpaid slash people to follow on social. Um, So I have met and do love Kate Toon. So she's a good Aussie oh, yeah. to follow along. Um, Super down to earth, kind of weird, bit of a misfit, but I like that in a person. <laughs> I like a little bit of weirdo. Um, I've met Kate a couple of times. I've been in her podcast as well, um, but she's always great to see what she's up to. She makes some waves, she makes some splashes, and she has a cool group called the Misfit Entrepreneurs, I think, and a book of the same title. Um, but yeah, good to go and have a long, especially if you're an Aussie and you want to see what other Aussies are up to. Kate Toon's um, got a bunch of courses, Built a bunch of successful memberships um, off the back of she used to do one-on-one consulting as well and decided it was just not scalable. So she kind of follows that same grain that we've been talking about, um, but does things in her own way. And I always like to see people who are doing that. That's fun. Mm, yes. I've got to get her on the podcast one day. Yeah. She's fun to talk to. She's um she's a blast and super British, which is always fun too. Awesome. Book you recommend or book you read that changed your business slash um so jeff walker has a bunch of launch stuff um but he has a book so if you're not in a position to buy his courses or or get into any of his high-end stuffs um he's got a book which is kind of old now and some of the tactics you'll have seen um for years around but it's actually still super valuable and you can get some really good basics from reading the book so if you're not a position and you you want to get into sort of big launch cycles um and you haven't got the money to invest in someone's program or something um check out jeff walker's launch book because it's like 30 bucks and yeah you'll get a heap out of it for 30 bucks for sure i'll I'll tell you a story there i think the last person i had on this podcast or, or recent recommended that same book yep so i read that book like years ago now right and also for the listeners if you're not aware like 
he basically started this whole launch thing. Anyone yeah, now that's yeah. like a launch coach or whatever it is, is essentially teaching either his strategy or like a watered down one where it's like, you know, he taught someone else who taught someone else who taught someone else who taught this person. So yeah. he basically started this whole thing, but that book still one of the best books I've ever read because the second I finished it, I went and bought his program. Yeah. I was like, this book is so good. You know, I've got to go and buy the program here, but he's the kind of catch to it. Now the program, I don't know what it was, two, $3,000 or something American, I think, um, the course wasn't that good. It was all right. No, sorry, it was that good. The course was good, but it was essentially just his book in video format. Yeah. <laughs> There's two ways to look at it. It's like either A, that book is worth two, $3,000, right? Because it is, you know, it yeah. was a great book. One of the best books I've ever read. Um, the course wasn't that much better than the actual book. So, but that's it, it, kind of irrelevant. Either way, it's like, if you don't want to buy that two, $3,000 course, just go and read this book. Everything yeah. that's in the course is in there. And it almost goes back to what we said earlier. Like the course is literally just that book in video format. So, you know, I think just, yeah, no matter, and no matter what you do, right. The course, the book, whatever, if you don't implement, it doesn't matter. Right. You've got to implement. Yeah. So um, I think you take the gold from whatever you've got. And if the book's what you've got, you read it, you implement it and off you go. But yeah, the nuggets, it's worth pulling it out for the nuggets. It's it's old. Like it's old school. It's been mm. around for a while. Like you said, he's like the granddaddy of the industry almost. Um, he'd hate, to be called that probably, but sorry, Jeff. Um, so like the my, my book's like yellowed now and tattered as well, but mm. like ignore the age of the book, like take the gold from it. Yes. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, Sam, that's pretty much all I wanted to get Thank through you. today. We've mentioned, um, we'll put your link down below if somebody is interested in, in, in uh, your services. If someone's not interested in your services, but they think you're cool, they like your style, they want to follow you on social, where's the best place to follow you? So there's not a lot of sandwiches around, so you'll find me pretty easy. I'm in all the normal spots, but I probably spend more time on Facebook than I should. Um, and we've got a group over there where you can come and hang out with other course creators as well. But yeah, just Google sandwich and you'll find me. Awesome. All right, Sam, that's all I wanted to get through. Is there anything I should have asked you but forgot to or anything you'd like to finish us off with? No, this has been really good fun. Thank you, Johnny, for having me. Super appreciate it. Hey, course creators, real quick before we get into today's episode, I've got a little favor to ask. As a lot of you are probably aware, one of my goals for this year is to get the, is to massively grow this podcast and get it to be one of the top ranking podcasts in the, the marketing space. Uh, to do that, what really helps is if I can generate as many uh, ratings as, as reviews as possible from listeners. So if you're a returning listener, if you could take a couple seconds and just give me a, a quick rating and review on Apple or Spotify or whatever platform you listen to, that would mean the world, that would mean the world to me. Anyway, let's get to today's show. <laughs> 